Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing, to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. In today's episode, we will be discussing church insurance. Now, I know that doesn't sound like an exciting topic, but it is a vital one for the health and stability of the church. Here in California, insurance is a difficult topic. Many personal insurance carriers no longer offer coverage due to state regulations preventing insurance companies from raising premiums. Insurance for churches, however, is an important topic. It is reported that 50% of churches in the U.S. have experienced some type of property damage or loss. Churches are not immune to lawsuits and liability from the actions of the church staff or those in the congregation. In today's episode, we welcome Vince Cuomo, who specializes in insurances for church. Vince lives in Southern California and is an agent for the Church and Casualty Insurance. Welcome, Vince. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, Vince, is it is it Cuomo? That is correct. Cuomo. You know, it's just it's just the Italians coming out of me. I can just speak it perfectly right off the bat. So awesome, Vince. Thanks for coming today. My privilege. Thank you for having me, Keith and Crystal. Yeah, it's been good getting to know you through Facebook for the last couple of years. And, and now it's great to have you here on the podcast. It's nice to put a face with a name because I think all our previous contact was on the phone. That's right. So excellent. So Vincent, you know, very briefly, could you tell us uh, about your faith journey? Yeah, um, both my parents were born in Naples, Italy. Our family grew up um, very Roman Catholic. I was the only member of my family that did not go to parochial school. So every Sunday um, was at mass and was a part of uh, Catholic school education throughout my younger years. And that began to wane off. Um, and a real change came in my family. I had an older brother who came who came to Christ when he was at University of Illinois. He was the first person to tell me about Christ when I was when I was 19. And so he was the first person to uh, share with me um, my need to trust in a righteousness, not my own, to uh, to turn from my sin and from all of my self-trust and to turn to Christ. And I was 19 at the time. He gave me he gave me a Bible for the next couple of years. I read it off and on. 
And uh, when I was 21 years old, I was stationed in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii with it, with the Navy and had a, a co-worker invite me to church. And during that time, off and on, I had read the scriptures, the New Testament, uh, Psalms and Proverbs. And uh, at a church service, I responded to an invitation. And during that time, more than responding to that education, the person who invited me had discipled me and saw me establishing grounded in the faith and uh, being involved in church ministry, um, helping with Sunday school and eventually teaching Sunday school. And uh, finished my education in Southern California. During that time, I had the privilege of leading a college and young adult ministry at a local church where I was going to school. I continued on with graduate degrees in biblical counseling and uh, a Master of Divinity at the Master's Seminary, which was a wonderful experience at both the Master's University and the Master's Seminary. And uh, my wife and I were involved in uh, university campus ministry at UC Berkeley for three and a half years, which was a very transformative experience. I would not have traded those three and a half years uh, for uh, for anything. And uh, during that time, uh, four children, uh, I met my wife in college, four children were born to us, three up in the Bay Area. And uh, we stayed in vocational ministry until we transitioned out to be a part of a of a church plant. And when I became part of church planting, that's when I moved back to the workaday world. And that was uh, right at the end of 2011. Right. That's, a, that's an amazing history. You know, um, first of all, thank you for your service. And um, and then my next question is, you know, what 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 age group do you prefer teaching? It sounds like you've taught, you know, all different kinds of ages. Is there any particular that you're drawn to? Oh, that is a good question. I think um, right now there is a real need to disciple laymen in the workaday world. There is so much that uh, that culturally is bringing uh, assaults against uh, against men and uh, persons in general in the workaday world. We no longer have the Christian influence in the everyday callings of marriage and family of work in vocation. And so I am convinced it is increasingly important to see uh, gospel foundations and the so what, the implications of the gospel really be a part of not just marriage and family life, but increasingly of uh, life in the workaday world. That is increasing. That is increasingly important. Yeah. It, that's interesting you bring that up because, you know, you're on the Faith and Money podcast, which means that you're in the right place because we believe the same things, you know, the, the focus of my financial advisory practice is implementing biblical wisdom with financial advice and helping, you know, my, my faith be believing clients to answer certain questions like who owns it, how much is enough, and uh, is the next steward being prepared and, and asking those questions with a Christocentric focus. My next question for you is a very serious one. Mm-hmm. Is Olive Garden legit Italian food? Um, with, with a mom and dad born in uh, in Naples, <laughs> Italy, I would say uh, my experience with Italian food is it is not. Um, <laughs> and, and by the way, it- Italian food in the United States is very different from Italian food in Italy. It is very, very different. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've heard the pasta is even really different. Very much so. Very, very much so. Yeah, Italian food in Italy is 
is very is very is very light. Um, the Italian food in the United States is much more a product of the creativity of the uh, of the immigrant communities and uh, the businesses um, that were created in the food industry. Yeah, well, I, you know, I I'm, I'm a reformed theologian, or or I adhere to reformed theology, <laughs> and uh, a lot of pe- times people are surprised to hear that my favorite theologian is Italian. Oh, would that be uh, Savannarola or would or R.C. Sproul? <laughs> Francis Turretini. Okay. Francis Turretin. I don't. He's a. He's not as well known as he should be, but he wrote a a multi-volume series called Institutes of Eclectic Theology, and it's just he's Italian, and people think that you know Reformed theology and and Italy have nothing in common and have no relationship to one another, but that's not necessarily true. There's actually been several, you know, really good Protestant thinkers coming out of Italy, and and I actually have some some acquaintances that are planning reformed churches in Italy. So that is wonderful. That is wonderful. And, and my own and my own great grandparents were born to Italian immigrants to this country in the early 1900s. I don't. My Italian geography is not up to speed, but I'm from the heel of the boot. My family is so. Okay. So, but I would agree with you. Italian food is not equated with Olive Garden. There's a lot of other <laughs> places to go to get good Italian food, yeah. like my mom's house, <laughs> and I probably your agree. mom's house. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. People say to me, um, you know, where do you, where do you go to uh, to get it to get the Italian food that you like most? And I say, my own kitchen. <laughs> oh, Fair that, enough. Means that means you're a good cook, huh? So yeah, my wife and I uh, both uh, both cook Italian food, and we do enjoy it. Oh, Is your wife Italian? No, um, she's uh, she's half Peruvian and then Scotch Irish and this type of thing. But uh, to my family, she looks Italian, so they they love her. <laughs> well, fair enough, Crystal. And I'll be at your house at five o'clock for dinner tonight. We expect dinner to be ready. Don't be late. <laughs> All this talk of food is making me hungry, gentlemen. <laughs> so moving on to our next question, you know, Vince, can you tell us about the work at the Church and Casualty Insurance? Yeah, Church and Casualty Insurance Agency has been in California uh, for, for 40 years. And for 40 years, they have been the exclusive provider with limited exceptions of uh, church mutual insurance ag- uh, company. So church mutual insurance company has been insuring churches since 1897 nationwide, over 90,000 churches, camp schools, ministries, and nonprofits. Uh, Church and casualty serves over 6,500 ministries, churches, schools, a couple hundred more in Nevada. And we specialize since 1983 in serving houses of worship. And we serve houses of worship of of every kind across every spectrum. It gives us a very wide view of what it is that is happening in the world of religious organizations. It helps us to track trends. It helps us to gauge specificity and needs within uh, risk management. We'll talk a little bit about that with California being a very uh, compliance and regulation heavy state. uh, Risk management takes on a uh, a very important part of the insurance piece. We provide numerous services, anything from physical security, HR, legal uh, child safety with the passage of AB 506 in 2022, taking on greater importance. And so, yeah, we, yeah, we exist to 
specialize in serving the church so that the church can give the primary attention to the mission of making disciples, equipping the saints. And we seek to provide the broadest coverage available, as well as providing them with a myriad of services that enable them to, I use the term, to do the dance with the state of California. Because the church is a is a house of worship. It's a family. It is a community. But in the eyes of the state of California, if a church is a 501c3, they are a corporation. So they are subject to all of the same um, corporate regulations and compliance of every other corporation in California. So the services that we provide are there to help them dot the I's and cross the T's in the state of California. And serving every kind of religious organization, there are a variety of, of differences. For example, um, most churches, particularly a, a, a Bible-believing evangelical church, uh, the primary persons who serve uh, children and youth ministries are volunteers. And so there is a lot of onboarding and a lot of training that's necessary for uh, child safety training. Whereas we serve a number of synagogues throughout the state of California, and no one comes near a child in a synagogue who is not employed. And so the dynamics are uniquely different across uh, houses of worship in, in the state of California in the United States. Yeah. Well, let's start with talking about, you know, property insurance. You know, we, if you own a home, you have homeowners insurance, even, even if you're a renter, you'll have renters insurance. And I imagine that it's the same for churches as well, because not all churches have their own building and I'm sure they have to have some sort of, of liability coverage for whatever facility they're, they're renting. But, uh, you know, why is insuring a building in, so difficult, especially in California right now? I mean, I mean, a church that owns buildings, your physical property, that is very often the largest asset that they own. And I tell people in the primary policy, the multi-parallel policy, nothing drives premium more than the value of your of your building. But since 2016... There has been a significant uptick in wildfire activity throughout the state of California. Now, every part of the country has some kind of natural disaster risk. State of California is no exception to that. And so because of the uptick in wildfires, and not only the uptick in wildfires, but in the uptick in significant property losses, the insurance industry looks very closely at the location of buildings and, phys and physical property. And one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning of the show are that insurance companies across all industries, whether it be commercial lines or whether it be personal insurance, have moved away from California. More specifically, they've moved away from writing new property coverage in the state of California because the wildfire risk is, is high in certain areas, so they won't write property in certain. There are certain parts of California that I serve that I cannot write physical property. There are organizations that would love to have us insure them. We would love to, sure, to insure them as well, but the wildfire risk is just a little high right now, in my professional opinion. Um, in the same way that roads and bridges are part of infrastructure, so to, so is uh, is wildfire management in our state, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation. It appears for some time. You know, Jesus had some words for churches on where they should build. They shouldn't build in a wildfire-prone area. They should build on the rock. 
Yeah, build on the rock, city and city on the hill. <laughs> so, but uh, I'm my home is in proximity to a hill, and I've got to keep it cleared on a on a regular basis. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, what are some of the things that a church can do to improve their ability to um, retain or or keep coverage or or receive coverage on their building? I mean, one thing to be mindful of is that your insurance policy does not replace the regular maintenance of the building. One of the more difficult things that I have to face is on, is on the occasions when coverage is denied on the property. And the primary reason coverage is denied is for something called um, normal wear and tear, which is one way of saying that there's been deferred maintenance. And so um, there are many ways to invest the Lord's money into the life of the ministry of a church, school, camp, or Christian ministry. But I always recommend keep an eye, keep an eye on the roof, keep an eye on the plumbing, keep an eye on the electrical panel, keep an eye on the HVAC system, including, uh, you know, putting cages around. We've just seen such an uptick in copper theft of uh, air conditioning systems. And there are, and if you are in a, a location where wildfire risk is moderate or even higher, there are a myriad of resources for wildfire prevention that you can avail yourself to. And so there are private wildfire fighting sources. Um, I always am seeking to keep my ear to the ground in terms of resources that are available. Where I live, church leaders meet quarterly uh, for uh, for physical security meeting. I met a gentleman who is a programmer. He has a li- he has developed a living site management resource. It will integrate all of your hardware, so alarms, gates, um, lights, sirens, you know what what have you. He'll maximize your camera reach, and in addition to that, he will even integrate both indoor and outdoor sprinklers. He's been able to fit it with a weather system that will do a scan of the property based upon um, the weather conditions for the day. So if it's more of an overcast, more of a humid day, then the scan is not as frequent. Uh, when the time comes for the Santa Ana winds and it's very dry and the wildfire risk is higher, the scan is is frequent. And this resource has the ability to detect fire on the premises. Um, where our family goes, goes to church, Evangelical Free Church, um, is very unique because we have both wildfire risk and we're near an urban area. So we have a risk of property crime as well. And so this resource is extraordinarily helpful. And so, so taking care of the property, if there's an area where there is wildfire risk, and by the way, Church Mutual, um, here in California, Church Mutual is the only church insurer that I'm aware of that has wildfire suppression vehicles. They're monitoring 24-7 uh, California's wildfire activity, and if a wildfire moves in the direction of one of our churches, those wildfire suppression vehicles are dispatched. Um, in addition to that, we work with a security consultant um, in an area where I serve in urban Los Angeles County. Um, we've seen a major uptick in in vandalism. And so he assists churches with everything from making sure that there are not uh, soft spots on the campus. He helps churches form security teams from everything to being a a more alert set of ushers to an increasing number of churches have have security teams. Um, Whereas we go to church, we have a number of law enforcement officers who, uh, when they're off duty and attend church, are surveying the grounds. And so there's just a myriad of resources, everything from file safety to church security to resources related to keep an eye on the four big areas, the uh, the roof, the panel, the plumbing, 
in the H in the HVAC system. That's really interesting that you have so many different uh, resources going to help your um, clientele. I think that's amazing. I, I just have a quick question. So, have has the church and casualty um, have they ever thought about offering captive insurance? Um, could you could you define what, define the term? What you mean by that? So, Keith, would you like to define captive insurance? Well, I mean, when I, I'm not sure what you're getting at, Crystal, but when I think of captive insurance, I think of selling one insurance company exclusively. I'm not sure what you're referring to. I am going to get you the definition based on chat GPT right now. Uh, the source of all wisdom. Exactly. So I do not misquote captive insurance. Let's see here. So captive insurance refers to a type of self-insurance arrangement in which a company creates its own insurance subsidiary to provide coverage for the risks faced by the parent company and its affiliates. The captive insurer operates like a regular insurance company, but its primary purpose is to provide coverage exclusively for the risk of its parent company. This allows the parent company to have more control over its insurance program tailor coverage to its specific needs, and potentially benefit from cost savings and tax strategies. Captive insurance can be a strategic risk management tool for organizations with significant risk and resources. So, I, I mean, the thing to understand about an insurance policy is that it is, it is a contract. And the way a typical commercial insurance policy is written is that it is an exclusions named product or an exclusions named contract. And so on your insurance policy, if it's not excluded, it is covered. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, a commercial general liability is an extremely broad coverage form. And so your um, a church's liability insurance, it goes everywhere the life of that organization goes, not just on its premises. Uh, it goes into the community, into, into people's homes. It protects everyone who is a part mm -hmm. of the life of that organization, even one-time visitors and guests. And so, I mean, we we see uh, self-insurance programs in the market. We compete against those. And this is my observation of those is that they're great until they're not. When the losses are low, they're wonderful. They're, ext they're, extreme, they're extremely competitive. Um, however, oftentimes when the losses come, um, yeah, the impact on the organizations and individuals involved, you know, we've seen to be, you know, quite significant. And so, you know, we are very connected to the ISO forms, now called Verisk, that we write here in the state of California, you know, and we believe it is the, it is the broadest coverage available. Excellent. So, uh you know, when we talk about insurance, you know, we obviously naturally gravitate to the property and casualty, uh, but sometimes some of our biggest risks aren't necessarily the building or the property. In fact, sometimes our, our, our biggest um, asset isn't necessarily the building, it, it, it's the people and some of our most vulnerable people in our church are our children. Uh, and church policies, insurance policies can pr help protect 
uh, our churches in the face of liability of something happening to someone in our church, such as our, our children. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you've been in the church and, and in church leadership for any length of time, the unfortunate reality is that we have heard of or encountered some sort of, of abuse in the church. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I have more stories than I care to admit, but I, I want to talk with you, Vince, about liability insurance, particularly in ways to protect um, those in our in our churches from harm and also in the event of um, the church being, being found liable. Yeah, this is this is a very sober and a very serious topic. Um, a few years ago, I was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Richard Hamar of of Church Law and Tax. Uh, used to be the Church Law and Tax newsletter, now the Church Law and Tax He's recently retired, uh, as I understand, and was the is the senior legal advisor for the Assemblies of God. And talked about almost every year for the last thirty years, the number one reason churches are actually brought into court and sued is in the area of sexual misconduct and molestation liability represents consistently about 12% of all lawsuits against the against churches according to Dr. Hammer um, a number a number of years ago and on a commercial multi-parallel policy there is a portion of the general liability liability coverage is there to protect the church for against allegations of negligence and there is a portion of the policy related to sexual misconduct and molestation liability. And this is the part of the life of the church where risk management and loss control is the most important, is to protect the uh, the lives and safety of those who've been entrusted into, into our care. And in the state of California, Assembly Bill AB 506 in 2022, it made it the law that it, it is now the law that any organization that works with children or minors, that they have to do background checks, which that's a box that everybody has to check. The real strength of your risk management and loss control in this area is policies and procedures and reporting procedures. It is better to have a simple set of policies and procedures that you will implement and consistently onboard people with, you know, then a complicated one that you don't implement and you cannot onboard people with, you know, child safety is of extraordinary importance. And the stories that we hear in the media about incidents that happen against churches and houses of worship, they are heartbreaking and they are devastating. The thing to always be mindful of is these particular stories are not in indicative of the fact that a church is not a safe place for families or for children. But any organization that works with children, whether it is a school or a camp, youth sports, uh, a church or any kind of house of, of worship, by virtue of the fact that you have, you have families with their children there, you are going to attract predators to your premises. And so it is vital that houses of worship, that churches, Christian ministries be vigilant. And as I mentioned before, many, most other organizations outside of a house of worship, those who work in the areas of child safety, they are employed to do so. And with most churches and houses of worship, 
you're working with volunteers who need to be trained in order to do this. And there is an entire cottage industry of organizations that provide child safety training resources. Uh, Church Mutual works with an organization called Ministry Safe. I was introduced to Ministry Safe by a camp leader in Santa Cruz County about 10 years ago. And of all the resources that I've seen, I've found Ministry Safe to be the most effective. It are, these are resources that work with churches, schools, camps, people involved in the foster care industry. The re training resources were crafted by attorneys who have experience in litigating these cases. And so they have a level of understanding about the detail of where uh, policies and procedures break down. And so this is something that is incredibly important. And so there are no shortage of resources to assist the church in these. And many of these are very common, are very common sense things like, you know, windows on the doors, the doors open, two or more non-related persons um, serving and the like, you know, having policies and procedures in place for adults to not have contact with minors outside of their parents' knowledge. You know, and, and these are a big part of the life of uh, protecting the safety of children within these within organizations. Um, there's just always a number of other common sense things that you can do. I mean, in the state of California, we have Megan's Law. So you can look on a website across uh, multiple zip codes as to where persons who are registered sex offenders are located. I do recommend that churches take a look in the law routine because you get names and photos of of persons and it's important to be vigilant to keep your your eyes open with respect to these with respect to uh this issue um increasingly in urban areas there's a greater concentration of persons on the megan's law list and there are a number of persons who are you know you know in whose life the lord is working in and seeking to be a part of houses of worship and churches need to know how to conduct risk management and to know how to minister to these individuals. That's why the recidivism rate is so high. Um, but first amendment protections, if they walk into a church, you need to be prepared for how to minister to them. Many of them, just because of the layout of their building, they minister to them off campus in maybe like a home study. When they walk onto ca a campus, they have someone that is with them at all, at all times. And so this is a you know, a very serious matter in terms of protecting the church and also understanding that there are persons who have broken stories who are going to walk into our churches and you have a responsibility to care for and protect the flock. And there are things that you can do to one, protect the flock and two, also fruitfully and very wisely minister to them as well. And there has to be a commitment to, to both things, a real commitment to protecting children and families and, and protecting the flock, and yet finding wise resources and, and wise ways in which to, if these are people that are, are seeking to be ministered to by the church, to do so in a way that is, uh, is above board and is, uh, is wise and effective. Yeah. So what are, what are two or three things that churches need to do kind of summarizing uh what do they need to do to protect you know those who are most vulnerable in their congregation 
I mean, first of all, I mean, churches in, in California, they need to make sure that they have child safety policies and procedures. Um, so I would recommend Ministry Safe. Another resource our agency works is one called Safe Gatherings. You know, what I appreciate about Safe Gatherings is that the background check does not come back um, until you complete the, the training. And so make sure that the training happens. Um, I would recommend a minimum of twice a year, oftentimes once a year, but I think twice a year would be effective. I think it is a wise idea that there is always uh, a person who is a floater in the children's or youth ministry that is an extra set of eyes that keeps an eye on what it is that is going on. I mean, the background checks aren't important. That's a box that you that you have to check. Uh, but policies and procedures are what are what really carry the day. Um, State of California puts the reporting procedures right on, you know, right online, so they're available to you at no charge. Uh, so, but church leaders need to one just not check the box that they have policies and procedures, but they have to be audited. They have to be sur surveyed that things are being implemented. Um, one of the things that I do um, when I'm out soliciting new business is I will walk onto a campus and I will put a church's policies and procedures to the test. I'm, I'm, I'll walk onto a campus and am I allowed as a, as a stranger that they don't know just to like walk freely around the campus or is somebody going to come and immediately engage me? And so, so that's something to be be mindful of as well. I mean, increasingly more and more churches have 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 cameras that are able to survey their property to watch a property from off from off campus. Um, the uh, living site management tool that we have at our church, we have a we have a bathroom on the children's wing where uh, only children are allowed to use it. And if someone who is like taller than four and a half or five feet tall goes into that bathroom, it will detect and send a text to someone. So there's there are so many resources that are available to help churches, camps, and schools with child safety. Yeah, it's great thoughts. And, you know, this is a neglected topic that isn't fun to talk about, but it it's just really important. You know, God has given us our children. They're our most precious asset, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't think children is an asset, but they're, they're very important. You know, God has given us our children and and calls us to care for them and to protect them. And, and so I thank you for your thoughts and, and thank you for coming on to the Faith and Money podcast. You provided some great insights uh, into church insurance and, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, next time, bring some lasagna. Um, and and uh, how can our listeners learn more about church and casualty and how can they contact you? Okay, you can uh, go directly to our website at cc ia.com and you can also contact me through our 800 number 800-995-7525 and i look forward to the uh, privilege of serving you and even if we can't assist you with uh, insurance there are a myriad of risk management resources that we make available to the church at large at no charge either at church and casualties resource uh webpage at ccia.com or at Church Mutual's web, website at churchmutual.com. But we would love the privilege of serving you, to serving your ministry, and assisting you with uh, giving your attention to making disciples and 
making sure that the administrative and operation side of the church is well served. Excellent. Well, thanks, Vince. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, we look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Until next time, God bless. Much right, you have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.